0: Today, I want us to look at the most important relationship of all, and that's our relationship to God. Uh, how do you become best friends with God? Now, I've had people in my life. I probably was at this point sometime uh, earlier in my life, where you sort of had this idea. That, you know, God is awesome, and God is glorious, and God is in heaven, and you know t- that is sort of almost almost sacrilegious to kind of say, "Well, God's my best friend." Well, I I was. Struggle with that a little bit until I started reading the Bible. And the Bible is so clear. Like today, as we're walking through this message, I hope you have your notes out and just look at the overwhelming truth of what God has to say about his desire for us. So we could think about what kind of relationship does God want with us. Uh, uh, Your relationship with God has a lot of different aspects. Uh, God is, the Bible says, God is your father. So, your heavenly father, but also in very intimate terms like daddy, using the term Abba uh, to, to describe this, this close relationship with him. God is our creator, he's the one that made us, he's, he's our judge, he's our master, he's the Lord, he's our redeemer, our savior, and many, many other things. But most shocking of all, isn't it shocking that God wants you to be his friend? God wants me for a friend? Yes, he does. So the Bible talks about that. Uh, just some verses for us to kind of get our mind together here. James 4, 8 says, Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Such a simple principle. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. It's pretty simple. Uh, you, you come close to God, and God says he will come close to you. When you, when you want to know what kind of relationship it is that God wants to have with us, uh, the best place to go is to go back to the beginning to go back to the, uh, the creation when God created Adam and Eve and they enjoyed this incredibly close, intimate friendship with God. You know, back then, there's no religion, there's no rituals, there's no, no rule. There was one rule, one rule was don't eat from that tree. Uh, that's the only rule. Uh, he said you can do anything else, So just the one rule, no regulations, no rigmarole with all kind of uh, religious things. It was just friendship in the garden, right? The Bible says that Adam and Eve delighted in God and that God delighted in them. And so that's the way God wants relationship to be, a loving relationship that we are made, created to live in God's presence continually. And so you were made to live in God's presence, not just Adam and Eve, but us as well. Uh, But that whole ideal got ruined, didn't it? It got ruined by sin. Sin broke the friendship. Sin broke the relationship. And the friendship with God, at least at that level, was lost. You know, when you, when you read the Bible and you go through, like, the Old Testament, um, you know, before we get to Jesus, you know, it's about two-thirds of the Bible before you get to Christ coming. Uh, in the Old Testament, there were not a lot of people that were friends with God. Now, there's a few, there's a few like that. Abraham, the Bible tells us, was a friend of Of God. Uh, Moses was a friend of God. David was a friend of God. Uh, There was a guy named Enoch uh, that was a friend of God. Uh, But there weren't a whole lot of those people. Even somebody like Job uh, uses some language that describes him as a friend of God. So most of the people in the Old Testament did not have a personal relationship uh, with God. As a matter of fact, you know, the Old Testament, there's a lot of guilt and fear. That was common with a relationship with God more so than love and friendship. Um, As a matter of fact, when you read the Old Testament, you see that, you know, they had priests that would have to prepare themselves months and months at a time to be ready to go into the Holy of Holies and represent the people before God. Well, when Jesus came, he changed all that. Oh, man, I mean radically changed it. When he died on the cross and paid for our sins, the Bible says that the veil in the Holy of Holies that symbolized where the presence of God was, the holy place, that the the curtain in there was ripped from top to bottom. And it was a symbol to symbolize the separation that had been between God and man has now been removed. Praise God. I mean, it had been like that for hundreds or even thousands of years. There was that separation. And Jesus comes along and he builds a new bridge. Now there's no separation between us and God. Everybody, everybody has access. I mean, it wasn't one priest one day a year to go in and feel God's presence there. Now anybody can be in the presence of God. Direct access is available again. So you don't need a priest. You don't need me. You don't need anybody else. You can go directly to God. You have access. The Bible talks about that. Look at this verse or these verses from Romans 5, 10, and 11. It says, For since our friendship was with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now... Say that. Say, so now. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us what? Friends of God. That's incredible scripture uh, reminding us of what he, he has restored this friendship. All because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, God has made us friends with God. You can't buy friendship with God. You can't earn it. You can't be good enough to be in a friendship with God. You can't bribe God. You can't bargain with God. You can't berate God. You can't do anything uh, to have a friendship with God except receive God's gift through Jesus Christ. The forgiveness of sins, the restoration of a relationship, through, through God's grace and through Jesus' sacrifice, we are made and given the opportunity to be friends with God. Another verse, John 15, 15. Jesus says, I no longer call you servants. Instead, I call you my friends. Man, that, that, that's radical, isn't it? Uh, the God of the universe wants to be our friend. If you let that kind of sink in, the God that created the galaxies and all the world, uh, the universe around us wants to be our friend. Now, Jesus uses the phrase there, I call you my friends. When Jesus is saying that, uh, the word that he's using there is not for a casual kind of relationship or casual acquaintance. It means a, a deep, close, personal, a close, intimate relationship with someone that we care about. Somebody that, that's me. It, it's the kind of word that would be used to describe your best man. That's, that should be pretty clear. How about... Uh, how about maid of honor? We had a little talk about that right there, uh, You know, there's there's two people back there, maid of honor in her wedding, and I asked them, "Are you still friends?" And they said, "Yes, they were." So that was exciting. Uh, you know, it's it's a close word. It's a word that that means like something a word that you would use for your best friend, one that uh, really close to you. So it's a it's an idea about being intimately close together in kind of an inner circle there. And so we are brought into this inner circle in our relationship with God. We even sing about it sometimes. Uh, what a friend we have in Jesus. Uh, we, we sing that, that hymn, beautiful. But it's not just with Jesus. I'm not just friends with Christ. I'm friends with the Trinity, Uh, I mean, that's pretty good. The Father, the Son, uh, the Holy Spirit. So this is also important to God. Exodus 34, 14 says, He is a God who is jealous about his relationship with you. Did you know that God was jealous for his friendship with you? The Bible says that God gets jealous when we give our lives to other things. Uh, you, know, you might could even describe it as a passion, the, the passion that he has for us. He does not like it when you give your life to something else other than him. What, what would you give your life? Well, you know, there are other gods out there, the God of money. Uh, the God of sex, the God of success, the God of popularity, the God of pleasure. I mean, it could be any God, and it breaks God's heart because God is passionate about you. God is passionate or jealous about his relationship with us. Hosea 6.6, 6, uh, God speaks through the prophet there and says, I don't want your sacrifices. I want your love. I don't want your offerings. I want you to know me. That, that sounds pretty passionate, doesn't it? Uh, God speaking to us. He's talking about um, the, that he wants us to have this love relationship with him. He wants us to know him. You know, it's really part of the purposes of why we were created, to know and to love God. You know, if you, if you miss that, you've missed everything. Amen? I mean, I know we, we're always trying to figure it out. You know, we go to Career Builder, and we're trying to figure this out, and what, what's my purpose? And the number one purpose that you have is to love and to know the God who created you. I mean, you can be the most famous, most successful, most accomplished person on the planet, but if you don't love and know God, you have missed your purpose because you weren't made to simply do things, to accomplish things, to have a certain job. God says, I want you to know me. I want you to love me. I mean, he, he, he planned the whole world. He planned everything out so that we could come to know him. Look at this verse. It's this from the message. Acts 17 says, Starting from scratch, God made the entire human race and made the earth hospitable. Uh, you know what that means? That means he made the earth livable. You know, you hear all the time all these people trying to figure out, can we live on Mars and can we live here or there? You know, I don't think you can live any of those places because he made this place for human beings to live on. He made it hospitable. He made it where you had oxygen and uh, that you have water and you have all the things that you need. He made the earth hospitable for human beings. And notice what it says. With plenty of time and space for living so that we could seek after God and not just grope around in the dark, but actually find him. That's the number one thing. Number one plan and purpose is for us to know God. And it's incredible, isn't it? We're visible, he's invisible. We're weak, he's omnipotent. We're imperfect, he's perfect. He. How, how does a flawed finite creature like me and you end up in a friendship with an unflawed, perfect, omnipotent, invisible God. I mean, how does that happen? Well, there's only one word, Jesus. Jesus. Love, hope, joy, all those things they said has a name. So let me just give you some ideas. About this, how do you how do you build? We're talking about building stronger relationships. So, how do we build a great friendship with God? I'll give you five things, quick. Number one, make knowing God your number one priority. If God is going to be your best friend, make knowing God your number one priority. You know, you can't have a friendship with God in your spare time. You can't make uh, knowing God. You got to make knowing God number the number one priority. Uh, Jesus said it like this. Seek first the kingdom of God. We do that first. Um, I've told you many times that, um, you know, that, that's just my daily practice. You know, every day I completely surrender to God again. You know, I didn't surrender like 10 years ago. And, you know, I just remember, oh, that was a great day. No, no, no. This morning when I got up before my feet hit the ground, I'm telling the Lord I'm in complete surrender to him. That we have, we have this relationship that is going on that is continual, that is all the time. I encourage other people about their relationship with God. But the number one priority for me is knowing that I'm giving my life. I love Him. I've given my life to Him. And I did it as, as soon as about 4.59 this morning. Just before the, I got up. On the other hand, it doesn't matter how many things I accomplish in my life. How many good things happen if I don't love God and know him? All that stuff is worthless. Paul says it like this. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I may know Christ. He's not saying that these things that are important to you in your life are, are nothing or are worthless, but in comparison with knowing the Almighty God, it looks just like garbage. Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Uh, I just want to ask you, I would ask you one on one. Are you doing that? Is God the number one priority in your life? Are you seeking God with all your heart? If you're going to be a friend of God, if you want to be a friend of God, you got to seek him. Uh, You know, I I believe that that I'm as close to God as I want to be. You're as close to God as you want to be. He's He's not out there somewhere playing hide and seek. He's right here. And you're as close to him as you choose to be. He wants to be connected to you. Seek him with all your heart, knowing and loving God this great privilege that we have. Um, You know, I've noticed that you can tell what somebody's passion is by what they brag about. You know, if, if your kid, you know, if your kids are number one, you know, you can tell, man. If you brag about your kids, man, I'm not saying you shouldn't. You know, the grandkids, you got to pop the pictures and all that stuff. Um, you know, I get that. Uh, you know, if you're, if somebody's job is the most important thing in their life, that's what they really uh, highlight or brag about. Um, I mean, you you meet people that, um, man, buying clothes and you know, having a good time, you know, all that. Um, Jeremiah. Uh, 9 talks about that. It says 19 there. That's wrong. See, you can scratch that out. It's Jeremiah 9. This is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me. And understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth and that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, uh, have spoken. He says, make your number one priority, knowing God. Number two, second key to building this friendship with God is to slow down and be quiet. Slow down and be quiet. Friendship with God is like any other friendship. Friendship. If it's going to be a quality friendship, you've got to make time for it. Uh, if you don't make time for your human friendships, they probably will not be your friends for very long. Uh, the Bible says in Psalm 46.10, says, Be still and know that I am God. Um, you need to have quality time with God to build this relationship with Him. Psalm 25.14 says, Friendship with the Lord is reserved for those who reverence Him. With them, he shares the secrets of the covenant. You know, we only made it through this first page so far. You see all these verses that are encouraging you to be in this great, intimate friendship uh, with God. Not one time did it say, you have a great friendship with God if you show up for church once in a while. I couldn't find any verses like that. But I did hear him talking about the depth of my commitment and my friendship, my desire uh, to be with Him. Uh, he's encouraging us to, uh, to slow down, uh, to take time with Him. Um, you know, it's not just knowing about God or knowing a few verses or doing a Bible study, um, but having this quality, close relationship with God. Jesus talked about it. Uh, Matthew 6 from the message says, when you come before God, don't turn it into a theatrical production. hmm Just find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role-play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God, and you will begin to sense His grace. Man, that's beautiful. Make knowing God the number one priority. Slow down, be quiet, have a conversation, listen to Him. Number three, decide decide whose friendship you want the most. Decide whose friendship you want the most. Um, you don't have time for everybody to be your friend. That's probably good advice to me, right? Um, if everybody else is going to be your friend, you might not have time uh, for God in your life. Uh, the Word of God encourages us to make sure that we know God, that we have a friendship with God. So, you know, I, I know a lot of you, you, you know, you, you know all the, all the sports scores and about the team some of you some of you might be all involved in your stocks and what the, what's going on with that or maybe you know the top 10 songs and all the best artists uh, you you know all the words to the songs some of you you got all these recipes you know all these things about how to cook things some of you you know who's in and out of the soap opera or the television show you like to watch some of you just love following this celebrities and TMZ and all that but do you know God. If you miss that, miss the most important thing. He's encouraging us. He's real, he says, real simple, you, you care. If you don't know God, it might be because you care about something else more than Him. That's why you're not a friend of God, missing that relationship. I mean, the Bible gets real specific about it. Uh, James chapter 4, verse 4 says, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world? means enmity against God. Now, what does that mean? That, that's talking about that friendship with the world demonstrates uh, hatred, actually. Enmity is a very strong word. Hatred, uh, separation uh, from God. Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. And maybe you say, well, Pastor, I don't really get that. You know, the, I, I know John 3.16 says, God so loved the world, and in this verse is saying that I'm not supposed to love the world. So which one is it? Um, you know, God loved, the, the meaning in John 3.16 is that God loved all the people in the world. What he's talking about, what James is talking about here is the world system, the world culture. Don't be wrapped up in thinking about things the way the world does. God says, I want you to love people and hate the value system of the world. Uh, the problem is a lot of times we do the opposite we love the world, the system of the world, and we just don't get along with people sometimes very well. You know, we, we love materialism or we love ple- pleasure. Or we love popularity. We love prestige. We love passion and position and all those things. And God says you got it backwards. He says if you want to be my friend, you got to have the same values as my. You know, it's most likely that your friendship with those people that you're close to, your best friend, your best man, that maid of honor is because you got a lot of things in common with each other. You have close friendships because there's a connection there. That's what God is saying to us. If we're going to be best friends, we got to have similar values here. we got things that are important to God uh, become important to me. Uh, Jesus said it this way, John 15, 14. You are my friends if you do what I command. You know, when I say that God wants to be friends with us, we are friends with God. We are no way equal with God. You know, just because God wants to be my friend doesn't mean that I get to be God. You know, I might have access. I might have opportunity to pray. I might be able to go into the presence of God. But I'm not God. You're not either. But he invites us to be friends that submit to him, to his will. When we obey God, you know, unbelievers get this messed up all the time. You know, they they think that to live for God is so restricted, and you know if you got to obey God and uh, do everything He wants you to do. And I had a um, had a friend one time. Uh, he, he was he was a Mormon friend and uh, grew up with him. And he would always bug me about Christianity. And he would say, uh, he say, "It's just too bad about you and your faith." I said, "What are you talking about?" He say, "You know you're so restricted." I said, "What do you mean?" Just because you're a Christian, you don't have any fun. You don't get to do anything. You can't have any fun like the rest of us do. Here's what I ended up telling him. I take all the drugs I want to take. I take, I, I go to all the parties I want to go to. I'm involved with as many girls or women in my life as I want to be. Jesus just changed my want to. He changed my want to. I don't want to do those things. All that stuff is cheap, plastic, phony, that not only will give you a kick maybe, but it'll kick back against you. That stuff does not last. It leads to despair, not to dignity. It leads to depression, not to delight. I don't want all those things. Why? Jesus changed my want to. I do exactly what I want to. I don't have to have all that stuff. I have plenty of fun. He can never figure that out. So he comes to us and he says, "I want you to obey. I don't want you to be scared of me. I don't want you to live in fear of punishment. I want you to know. I want you to, to, to live in a way that's going to bring honor to our relationship, honor to God. So we build that relationship with him, that we uh, decide whose friendship that we want the most." Number four, maintain a constant conversation with God. Maintain a constant conversation with God. You're never going to build a lasting friendship by just showing up for church once a week. You know, that's not what he's talking about. you got to maintain a constant conversation. you got to talk to God all the time about everything, about whatever's happening, whatever's going on in your life. Now, the Bible says, never stop praying. Sometimes we quote it like, pray without ceasing. You know, you you follow these other religions and, you know, they say, well, we we pray to God five times a day. Uh, Christians pray all the time. You know, not five times, six times, ten times. I'm talking to God all the time. As a matter of fact, when I'm talking to you, I'm talking to him. I'm sitting with somebody and here they come and I have no idea why they're there. And, you know, we're having this conversation and they ask me a question. And it's like, oh, no, (laughs) I don't know the answer. So while they're talking and they're telling me this story, I'm saying, okay, Lord, I have no idea. I I mean, I'm trying to listen to them, but I'm talking to God. You you do that? You know, we we multitask like that all the time, right? When you're in your situation, you're listening, you're paying attention, you're watching what's happening, but in your mind, you're going, okay, God, I need you right now. (laughs) I need you in this situation. What am I going to do? What am I going to say? Because I know when I'm sitting in front of that couple there, what I have to say is of very little value. But what God has to say, that's what they need to hear. So I'm, I'm waiting, I'm listening, I'm depending. So when it comes out of my mouth, I'm trusting that God has spoken to my heart. Talking to God. Maintaining a constant conversation. Why? He's my friend. Closest friend. Pray without ceasing. Pray all the time. Um, you know, if I told somebody the other day, if you prayed as much as you text, it would probably be better for you. <laughs> Texting all the time. You know, they got this constant conversation going on with these multiple friends all the time. And, and listen, I'm, I'm guilty sometimes, I, but it, constant conversation with God. We got this constant communication going on with him. I love this verse from the Amplified Bible. The Amplified Bible kind of expands the words to kind of give you all the nuances uh, of the meeting. Listen to this. My determined purpose... Is that I may know him and that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and clearly. One more. Trust God in your pain. Trust God in your pain. Cast all your cares on the Lord. He will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. What that means is that, uh, that idea of falling apart. He's not going to let us fall apart. We cast our cares on him. We place our concerns on him as we put our trust uh, completely in him. He wants to have a friendship with God. If you're in trouble, he wants you to put your trust in him, to get to know him and trust him if you've drifted away from God, he wants you to draw uh, close to him. Uh, Do you believe it? Do you believe that God wants to be your intimate friend? Here's how we're going to close. I don't do something like this very often, but um, I wonder, uh, because some of you in here might have had a close relationship with God like that in the past. And maybe you kind of drifted away from that. Maybe you've kind of fallen away some from him. And you know God, maybe you love God, maybe you say you were saved. But I didn't ask you this morning if you were saved. I just ask you, if you've let Christ, the Lord, our Father, to be your best friend. Maybe you never heard anybody talk about it like that. You're just looking at me like, this dude's crazy, man. You know, God's up there, and we're down here. It's true. But all those scriptures, do you know all those scriptures were in the Bible like that? You take that home and study that because there's a lot of scripture proclaimed. I didn't just come up with this message on my own. went right to the word, and it's overwhelming to me. So do you have a friendship with God? Would you like to have a friendship with God? So I thought we'd just have a prayer time about that. And I could just have you stand up and we'd all pray together and that'd be fine. But I just wanted to ask you, if you want a friendship with God, and you know you don't have one, That we're going to have, I'm going to have a prayer right here, right where I'm standing. And I'd just like you to, if you would like to have a prayer for you, that you would have that kind of friendship with God, I'd just like you to stand up and walk up here and come up here with me. how you want to respond. That you want that kind of relationship with God. Thank you. Don't be afraid. I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. I, I just want you to respond to God. You know in your heart, just come and stand right here. Right, thanks. Uh, you know in your heart what your relationship with God is like. You want to have that close friendship with God. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Thanks. We're just going to have a prayer right here. I'm just waiting on you. Just come. If you're in the balcony, I'll wait for you. Come on. Anybody else? Just waiting on you. It's really not me waiting on you. It's him waiting on you. He wants to be your friend, your very best friend. Anybody else? All right, I got a few staff people in here. If you guys come come with me. Come close if you would. Just kind of just pack it in right here. Just just come close. Come come toward me. Aren't you happy about these people that are hungry and seeking? Because this this whole friendship thing is about a hunger and a longing in our heart. And I believe when you move toward God, he moves toward you. That was the very first verse, wasn't it? So what you did this morning is you, you took a step. You said, I'm not quite in the right place. I, I need that. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know exactly how to get there. I gave you some ideas about it this morning. But what I believe is that when you move toward God, he moves toward you. So we ask him this morning, I, I need that friendship. I need that intimate relationship with you. So we're going to pray a prayer, and he's going to hear us, and he's going to help you to accomplish this. But you've got to want it. You've got to give some time. You've got to take some action As a result of what what happened today. Just walking out of this building being the same as you were, that's not gonna change anything. But he starts changing your heart and you you start responding to him. You got that? That that's what we're doing today. So touch somebody. Heavenly Father, what a what a monumental moment right now. And we are simply responding to what you told us. All those scriptures so overwhelming, really many, many more that really cry out to us. You want to be that God that walks with us in the cool of the day, just like you did in the Garden of Eden. Lord, our life gets so busy, so messed up, so full of stuff. And Lord, we come to church and and, and our church is so helpful to us, Lord. It draws us back toward you. But, Lord, we know that that's not what you want. You want to be our closest, intimate friend. You, you love all of these people in this circle here this morning. And I thank you for their willingness, their courage to step out and to reach out toward you. And Lord, I believe that you'll hear this prayer, not just the prayer that I'm speaking, but the prayer that's crying out in the heart of every one of these people, the longing, the hunger, the desire that they have to know you. Maybe they've walked with you for a long time or maybe they, they have needs that have, that have really kind of skewed their walk with you. Today, here, here they are. Lord, I pray that you would answer their prayers, that you would intervene in their life, that you would come so close, that you would just come blowing into their life, Lord. As they reach out to you, you come to them, oh God. Help them to make you the top priority to pray, to constantly be talking to you, to come to you in their herd as well as in their blessings, that, Lord, today could be a turning point in the depth of their relationship with God. Hallelujah. Lord, we accept it, we receive it, we feel your call, and we thank you for it today. And we believe that you've heard us, and we pray that you would help to to make it to happen in us. Lord, we give you thanks, and we praise you together. We all agree together for it in Jesus' name. And your agreement is your amen. Say it together. Amen. 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 Praise God. Thank (laughs) you so much. Awesome. Awesome. (laughs) Praise (laughs) the Lord. Awesome.